This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, on the 9th of October 2018, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem, for anyone working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Dave, and here is my open and extensible co-host, Yon. <laughs> extensible? <laughs> Absolutely. He's got an API and everything. I don't work with attachments. <laughs> I'm sorry. Callbacks, maybe, but... Um... So, here we are. Part two. Yes, part two. Um, yeah, part two with Manny Chessel. Not much more to say about that, I think. It's, uh, a lot of useful information came out of part one. There's a lot more in uh, this part two. So, unless you have anything to add... Nothing else from me. And let's uh, join Mandy Chessel for a continuation and uh, what's the again uh, finalization? No, that's what I said. You said something else. Conclusion. Conclusion. See, I, that's why he speaks a bit of the British English and everything. Anyway, <laughs> on to the conclusion with, uh, of the masterclass with Mandy Chessel. Okay. So um, from from your, your Data Work Summit session, one of the things, and, and it may be a little bit difficult to explain this over the radio, but let's, let's give it a try. <laughs> Um, one of the areas where I thought was particularly interesting you discussed was a, this idea around sort of um, this evolution from from data to structural metadata to business metadata and to the the sort of the overall ontology. Um, mm-hmm. Could you run through that for the audience? Yes, of course. So actually, if we start from the outside um, yeah. and work in. Uh, so if you think about a traditional application, it has a user interface with a screen and the words that appear on that screen describing the data that's displayed are business terms. That's actually, so somebody who's not technical, they would look at that application and think that that form that they see is actually what's stored in the database. So that's their perception. And when they fill in that data, they assume that the values match. So if it says, birthday, they would put in somebody's birthday, right? Because that's what it says on the screen. Then it goes into the application and that application code has changed over the time and it's stored somewhere in the database, say it's a database, um, in a schema, which somebody might have called that B-Day, right? So birthday, B-Day. And it doesn't matter while it's all tucked inside that application. But as we move that... um, that metadata, that data, I'm sorry, from the application out into the real world, we almost need to capture what the business person saw when they typed that data in right the way down to how it's implemented because when someone picks up that data set, they're going to see the, um, well, they might not see any, they might just see all numbers (laughs) if there's no schema. When we add the schema, you get the view that the application had of the data store. So that would be the... um, the, the, the different columns in the database tables and things, which could be garbled or very um, abbreviated, or it might be that um, a new feature was added to the application and there was a field in the database that wasn't being used. So rather than changing the database schema, they, they decided to just pop that data into that other field. So we see um, when we take data about application, sometimes we see, say, the fifth line of the address is being used as instructions for the postman because that's printed on the envelope, so that's nice and easy. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to change the application <laughs> to get that thing. So there's often corruption inside the database. Um, so what we do with the metadata is that, you know, we, we know that there's a data set. And sometimes the first thing we know that's stored in the metadata is that there is a data set. It's located here. Um, it's called this. Um, and it was created by this person. Um, and then we might do some analysis and pull the schema out. And so that's now attached to that, that, um, that um, asset saying, well, this is how the application saw that data. And then we actually need to do the next layer out is actually to put the business meaning um, on top of it. And so we now start to link what we call business terms. So business terms is like you think of it as a a dictionary definition of a word. Um, And that should match the the mental model of the person who used the screen on that application originally. Um, so, so, so we, we create this linkage. So you go from number <laughs> to schema name out to business term. Um, so that's step one. As we start to understand the dom- domain a lot more, we realize that some values are often together. Um, and so, for example, when we describe a customer, we often have things like their name, their address, maybe their date of birth, maybe their phone number, etc. 
So we start to link these glossary terms together to say this data tends to occur together and these are the identifiers and these are the things that describe tables and these are the things that describe columns or field values. Um, and that's where we start to build up this model of um, uh, of a subject area we call, which is sort of easy to think of as a domain or a, um, a, an area of knowledge like customer data. And as we build that knowledge up, we can start to look at data and maybe start to guess what different values are to understand the relationships between different data sets. Um, and also to make a lot more intelligent guesses when someone's searching for data and they say, um, I want customer contact information. Oh, well, we know customer contact information is a term and it's related to things like phone number, email address, um, uh, uh, physical mail address, etc. So you can start to take those terms on a search and turn them into um, specific search requests for particular field values in the data. All right. So from from that um how how do how should organizations go through that journey from you know you, you were talking about people kind of taking their data out uh, of these source systems and you know collecting it in you know maybe collecting it in big data systems you know thinking about um you know bringing schemas across and and but also talking about this this method of automated uh, metadata generation. How how does that fit into the picture? Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, so you can start top down, bottom up. Um, but typically, um, for most organisations, you're not going to do everything. So the most yeah. important thing is to think about what's the business value that I'm trying to deliver, um, and start looking at what would need to change in the environment to make that happen. And then you start to identify what data is most important to that business value and think about where is it's located. And then you start to think, okay, so let's start looking at those valuable data sources. Let's look at cataloging those. Let's look at how they will be delivered to where we want the business value to be de delivered um, yeah. and look at its journey. And then we would start to invest in tools that allow us to look in more detail in that data. So you, you, you basically look at the investment and tie it to business value because uh, it's ex extremely important that, that governance isn't a cost that is delivering value. And then as you build that capability, you start to automate it and then you can expand it and start working on more data sets and um, uh, expanding the, the scope of the value delivered. So it's target, targeted thought, thought process, um, target on data, target on value, um, build skills, and then automate and expand. Excellent. Um, so Apache Atlas is sort of primarily known and primarily used within um, Hadoop environments today. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things we've talked about is the fact that you know, data governance doesn't exist in isolation. It's not just done on a a big data platform or an enterprise data warehouse or a, you know, an operational system. It, it's, it's about having a, a consistent view across all of these things. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that we've, we've talked a little bit about earlier is um, this ability to, to have a, a single view across uh, multiple um, data governance repositories. Um, and there being a sort of a, a common communication link between them. Um, so what 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 do you think you'll see in the future in terms of um, Atlas being expanded sort of beyond just its 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 current big data focus? Or do you think more of the focus will be on you know external systems plugging into this? Uh, I think you call data, data governance highway, is that the, the term? That metadata term highway, yeah. That's it, the metadata uh, highway. Yeah. Um, that's a tricky one. I, I suspect it, it will continue to grow in its scope and use uh, because it, you know, it's a good metadata repository. Um, uh, it, it, uh, so from that perspective, yes. Um, however, I think... Actually, the being able to reach well beyond big data because big data is a great place for processing data that already exists. Um, and there's an awful lot of, of um, 
uh, work to actually get my data to the big data environment. And so that's an area that's um, very important, particularly as processing moves out further into IoT uh, devices. And there's obviously a lot of data capture around um, personal devices like mobile phones. So I think um, it will become part of a bigger ecosystem um, you know, over time. So I think that there will be a lot more focus on how do we get everything to connect together um, and um, Atlas will obviously be a part of that of that story. Yeah. But then also you've got, you mentioned that sort of um, big data platforms being a lot of where uh, data ends up being sort of being pulled to. But of course, the... Um, the way that a lot of organizations are evolving now, um, the big data platform is, 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 is also becoming a place where a lot of data is generated with things like, uh, you know, real-time analytics systems um, uh-huh. kind of spinning up on big data technologies and things like that, where, so you've got, you know, large-scale IoT, you know, feeds coming into big data systems and, you know, the you know, real-time analytics generating new data all of its own so it, it's it sounds like it's going to also become important not just to think about um, ensuring you've got governance for the data that's you know coming into the platform but also the data that you're creating there yes and and it going out because it's not enough just to have analytics that is giving you a historical view you actually want to influence the real time so either the analytic results will then be shipped out to other environments where decisions are being made. And so governance needs to reach out. So what, the way you see, you, you, you should see the, the big data platform or the data lake is it's actually a hub with data coming in, data going out, processing occurring inside, and so new derived data being, being created. Um, and that needs to be kept separate from the data that is actually just landed copy of data from other places. So understanding that life cycle, we talk about we talk about this as being a, um, an information supply chain as how data comes in, is combined, and then goes out again. So, you know, you, you end up, rather than if you think of a traditional warehouse architecture, data moves in one direction, goes from the yeah. operational systems into the warehouse and then into the BI environment. Now yeah. we're looking at an environment where it's much more um, data is circulating, right? It's going, it's coming in from the operational systems. It's, that insight is being generated. That insight is flowing out. Um, generating, you know, influencing the operational systems, which are then bringing more data in. So this um, you know, d- data is, is circulating, I think, is the best way to think of it. And so the governance needs to cope with the fact that um, the source of data is now not so clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and something that, that may have been a source of data at one, at one point in time, maybe a, a consumer of slightly modified versions of that data later on as, as it... Yes. As it continues to circulate around, as you say. Exactly. Um, yeah. So one of the things that that kind of strikes me is that if we've got this this kind of this metadata ecosystem, um, data data governance ecosystem within organisations, there's there's also got to be a point where where it 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 spans more than a single organisation or more than a single. Um, you know, governance domain, and how how you control and how you set policies around. You know, I, yes, I'm willing to share this level of detail with you know these parties, and a, a you know a different level of detail with other parties. So, what what levels of of control either exist in in this today, or or are we are we thinking about in the future? That's a, that's a good question. So some of it um, is around actually proper enforcement of licenses. So if you think about buying data from a broker, it comes in with a license and this limits how you can use it. Um, so what we need in the standards is not just to be able to manage the storing of, of, met- of metadata, but as data is moved from one organization to another or maybe one division of an organization to another, it accompanied, it's accompanied by its license in the loosest terms, which defines, yeah. you know, its its history, its definitions, its requirements around how it's governed. And as as we improve that 
um, openness of that full range of metadata. And we uh, develop standards that allow that to flow with the data. Um, and it being in this common format means that as those um, as that license effectively comes into the new environment, the systems can automatically pick it up and start working with it. So um, I, I think this ability to um, properly govern and control data moving between organizations is, is as important as our ability to link stuff together within a single organization. Yeah, definitely. And so if you've got... Um sort of going back to the the sort of governance of data and the fact that this data is circulating often we talk about um you know pushing things pushing things out to the edge whether it's processing out to the edge or security out to the edge but but also you know governance and the lineage of data out to the edge how mm-hmm. how do you see that sort of um fitting into this picture how can we how can, we, how can we extend the data governance to the, the edge of data collection? Do we, do we need to extend it to that level? I think, yes, we do, is the first answer. Yes, we do need to extend it. And I think a key part of um, the open metadata philosophy is that we store metadata and we manage data, metadata as close to the source as possible. Hmm. And so by having lightweight um, ability to manage metadata, in as many environments as possible um, is key to this um, ability to uh, be able to govern right out onto the edge. And from a privacy point of view, um, the fact that data isn't leaving the place where it's being collected actually allows a lot more um, uh, higher value capability to be supplied to an individual without concerning them that, you know, there is a big database somewhere in the sky that's, that's you know, that's got all this information. <laughs> But, but however, to, to see, there still needs to be some exchange with the center because we need to, enough data to train new models and do new analytics. So there definitely needs to be a balance between, you know, the operational, you know, how can we avoid shipping every, <laughs> every piece of data to a central repository um, yeah. and how we, um, how we ensure that things are properly managed on, on, on the edge and in many, many different environments from clouds mobile devices, IoT um, environments, our cars, homes, <laughs> and everywhere that we're instrumenting today. Yeah. I mean, we, we often talk about the fact that data has gravity uh, and sort of moving data is one of the more expensive sort of things that people will do for a variety of different reasons, whether it's just, you know, transmission cost or latency, or it's just the, the pain of, of moving it. Once you've moved it, then you've got to do something with it. And you know, do you mm-hmm. have two copies of it? Do you, do you literally move it? Do you copy? But if you've got, um, you know, we're, we're moving into an environment, we're moving sort of away from this, the, the previous era where we were talking about, you know, centralized data lakes, you know, those, the very few organizations were actually able to realize this whole kind of centralized data lake ideal because it was it made sense when everybody was focused on well you know all of our data lives and is generated on prem so we've got a data lake that sucks all that data from on prem we're all great fantastic but you know the world has significantly shifted from the way it was back then and you know the gravity of data is far more there's a lot more cloud native data sources a lot, lot more iot uh, data sources that doesn't necessarily make sense to move all of that stuff to a single location. So you end up with kind of more of a dynamic data feed where maybe you're, you're sending, um, you know, significantly smaller subsets of that data to, um, you know, a centralized environment, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud or distributed over who knows where. And then deciding based on what you're sending, okay, there's something interesting there. Please send me more detail around that. And it, you know, the the metadata. It, it's not just the data that makes that decision of is something interesting. It's the metadata around that that can decide whether it's interesting. And therefore, having having that story, you know, say from from the edge all the way through to the core, and Again, the the messaging and everything circulating backwards and forwards. It, it's it's a complete 
I mean, it's a complete messaging ecosystem all of its own, let alone before you start talking about the actual data that you're moving around. Yeah, I think, well, the two go hand in hand, really. Yeah. Um, and what, what and what's interesting in many environments is that the metadata can become more valuable than the data because it summarizes and creates a, a broader picture. So you might have data sets that actually have very are very sparsely populated with information you know, with interesting information, and the mm. metadata can you know be increasingly valuable. And we have to think about that um, when we're designing metadata systems to ensure that security of metadata is embedded into the way it operates. You can't just have this stuff, you know, oh, well, it's only schema, so it doesn't matter if anybody looks at it, <laughs> actually, because, you know, it, 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 it actually creates great transparency over the way the systems are working, and that's what it's designed to do. So that means that maybe nobody will see all the metadata. Um, it's something where we actually build views on top, um, that, and people see the subset that makes sense for their role. Yeah, but I mean, it's exactly the same with the, da- the underlying data itself. Almost no one sees all mm-hmm. of the data in, in, exactly. a, in a different environment. It, it's, you have that same level of, of, you know, whether it's permission or asset-based access control and, and you know, views created upon that that have different levels of, of, of transparency or anonymization or whatever it might be. So, yeah, no, completely makes sense. Yeah. Um, so this has been... Um, obviously, this is you know it's still a journey. It's still something that's very much uh, in progress, and by the sounds of things, um, a fairly fairly continuous and fairly rapid progress. But what what's what's been some of the reception um, that you've received from from organisations that were you know maybe previously struggling with thoughts as to how they would do this or. I guess had had organisations even realised that this was such a critical problem, and was this, you know, the the whole um, data governance uh, framework was this a, a revelation to them? What's the what's the feedback and the reception been from organisations? The reception actually has been an overwhelmingly, you know, can we have it now? Um, there seems to be huge desire. I mean, any organization that's bought more than one metadata product and tries to keep them in sync, um, you know, maybe they've got um, a governance product and uh, a big data product um, or an analytics tooling product. And they seem to spend so much time um, trying to keep each one looking at all the data in the organization. So, so, so yeah, the, the, the response is very positive. Um, I, we feel under huge pressure to actually get things um, up and available as soon as possible. Um, I think there's been a, initially there was a little bit of skepticism as to whether this was actually possible, but now they're seeing what we've achieved and how it's running. Uh, then there are more and more people getting excited to to come on board. And I mean, it must have been. Uh, uh, oh well, I, I can certainly speak speaking for myself. I think it was a huge uh, injection of reality into things when you know ibm stepped up and and you know said that they were going to be a a key part of of this obviously you know ing um soon after doing the same and and now you've mentioned sas as well it's it it really does feel like something that's moved from a you know a, a dream or a science project through to something that you know has a a lot of weight behind it and a lot of a lot of driving force as well. Yeah, yeah. I think what's going to be interesting is as it evolves, it should change the business. Mm. So the business, you know, so far has been build a metadata repository and create as many tools around that repository as possible um, and then use that to try and, you know, keep um, customers on your platform. Yeah. Whereas when you say, well, the repository now is something that is open and shared, and the market is now, can you produce the most useful function for your customers rather than this lock-in um, approach to the database structure? So right. I, I think we should see huge innovation because it will make it easy for new entrants to come into this market um, as well as allow the, the current incumbents to let go of the huge cost of maintaining the repository to actually starting to look at new values. So I think the whole thing will encourage a next layer of innovation in the governance space. Yeah, because I mean, the, essentially, what we're 
this is doing is saying stop caring about the underlying plumbing of the, the, the data governance platform and instead, you know, focusing on the the additional functionality, the value, the whether it's visualization or you know who knows what the but the pieces that differentiate those platforms on top, uh, and sure the ability to um, query multiple repositories and how you how you display that is all going to be is all going to be interesting. But it's that it, I can I can only imagine that you know at least fifty percent of some of these organizations' efforts have have got to have been, you know, underlying relatively low value plumbing mm. previously. Yeah, that's that's our experience. Yeah. Excellent. So I, I look forward to all of the exciting innovation in the in the near future. Um I'm curious though as to how many organizations have been uh, what's what's the mix be- been between people Sort of looking at integrating with you know existing you know, shrimp shrink wrap well known you know player sort of uh, technologies and people thinking about you know, well we've got this this homebrew sort of sort of system that we built internally um, and we can see how we would integrate with that has it been sort of all you know big player or small medium player sort of integration discussions or has has there been an element of of sort of people doing doing things with their existing homebrew sort of solutions um so the discussions have covered both um people with their own homebrew solutions are desperately looking to get rid of them um because a lot of what you know what you you, it's easy this stuff is easy to start and very expensive very quickly so um, um, and people, so, so some organisations are incredibly mature in the way that they use metadata, and they have built bridges to move metadata around between their different tools, um, and very complex processes to manipulate that metadata and tra- it because basically they have to transform it from one format to another, and then make sure that um, the incoming metadata ties up with the identifiers of the existing metadata in the tool. So it's it's expensive. To, to make yeah. that work, um, so for many people, it's you know if, if they've if they've tried to build this, they are really looking to get rid of their existing you know the, the work that they've currently done. Yeah. So and it's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's getting such a strong reception. Great, great. So are there any um, are there any sort of key uh, reference customers at the moment that are sort of using this? Um, that have you know, publicly talked about their experiences and the benefits that they've received from from going down this route. So I think I, ING are probably the most prominent um, in their in, in their publicity of the work that they're doing. Um, they they not only um, verbally support uh, the work in terms of how internally they set, they they sell the value and why we're doing it. Um, they actually put resource into the implementation as well so so they're a very strong partner for us because their use cases are obviously very real um, and help drive the technology um, in a in a positive way um, and they believe in it so much that they have their own teams working on it um, and contributing full-time to the project so um, um, I think we'll see their increasing use of it um, you know, and the publicity around that um, helping to lead the way with other organisations. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So, what what sort of other initiatives are are underway to help get others um, on board with this? Um, you know, what's being done to try and um, court other. Uh, well, is is any work being done to court other sort of major players in this space, or or is it sort of if we build it, they will come? What's the sort of approach we're looking at here? It, it, it's a bit of both. So um, we are um, get, getting the, that base technology done is, is is absolutely critical. You know, we, we it, it's all very well having nice charts, but we do have to have code. We have to have running code, and so that that is our underlying <laughs> um, number one priority. But we are speaking at conferences, so DataWorks was an example of that. Increasing the number of um, blog entries we're doing, um, 
and trying to get to different communities of people who are struggling with this. Um, and they tend to be communities of consumers rather than um, consumers of um, communities of vendors. And then we're using the um, the customer base of the vendors to actually go back to the vendors and say, this is very important to us. We really would yeah. like you to invest in this technology. So that's that's really the approach to give, you know, it, it's very difficult from IBM's perspective to tell its competitors that we think you should integrate with this open technology. <laughs> but, if it, but, but if it comes from their customers um, who genuinely see the value to that organization, then it carries an awful lot more weight and, and, and you get the, the right focus, I think. So, so that's the, the – and, and once you get um, a few of the big players um, being a part of it and we have um, an environment that allows the small players to make money because it's, it's almost as important to have the technology working as have the business model around it oh, yeah. that allows um, a huge range of organizations to get value from it. Um, so the, the, the protocol is written around a connector framework. The connectors define different values that can be, um, that can be delivered by different tools. And so effectively that connector framework and the Ageria code around it, um, coordinates the work of different vendors tools, um, from analytics through to, um, Discovery and discovery um, technology, uh, storage, distribution—you know that full range um, of, of technology. Each has a place in the ecosystem and, um, and 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 can deliver that core value that they offer. Nice. And um, are you? I mean, are you? Is IBM using this um, fairly heavily within? Yeah, within your increasingly, itself? increasingly, yeah. yes, increasingly. So we have. Um, a large number of experiments going on, uh, not only in our product space, but also in our internal, the way we run our own business. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, 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 again, a very good sense, set of use cases from those, um, from our internal um, people. And uh, they internally are actually really pushing the use of um, analytics, AI, cognitive type technologies in the way we run the business. Um, and so metadata and governance is key to that type of work. Yeah. So during, you know, some of the early work that had been done here, what, what were some of the, what were some of the biggest surprises that you, you found in, in this whole sort of journey? Oh, um, I think, so given that this is such a proprietary space, yeah. um, the first model that we built, we thought that we would get, huge feedback on well we don't like the way that's spelled that should be over <laughs> to the left a little bit etc and in fact the the majority go yeah that looks about right and nobody cares right <laughs> <laughs> so just putting a model out and saying is this okay um was surprisingly well received whereas i really thought we would be arguing field by field but that is really not the case the other is that what is this really doing um, it's not only integrating tools, but it's integrating governance domains. Mm. So if we think about um, corporate governance, security governance, software lifecycle development, um, um, the governance around that, the way we do data governance, and you know, there's API governance. It's all very similar in that we produce policies um, and uh, uh, what we call controls, which are basically rules and things that we implement in the environment. And, uh, um, and people have responsibilities around it. And we gather metadata about the things that we're managing. Um, and so what Nigeria is doing, or this whole process is doing, is allowing these domains to interoperate. So this is, this is the security teams doing this, and the data team is doing this. Because the thing I noticed um, around GDPR is actually it created huge conflict between the different governance teams because, you know, privacy, well, that's a security thing. Well, no, no, it's a data thing, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so this integration of governance domains is actually a key part of what we're doing. And then as we create standards around the structure of metadata, then the opportunities to automate and use analytics in that environment starts to grow too. So those those were the things that um, ha I, I wouldn't have thought of at the beginning, um, but actually what we can start to see, that higher value that you get from openness. 
Yeah, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I mean, it makes perfect <laughs> sense when you think about it afterwards, but yeah, it's not necessarily the first thing you necessarily think about when you're starting on the journey. Exactly. Excellent. So when if someone's sort of looking at uh, looking at this and looking how they would adopt this as as you know a core part of their their data governance strategy, I mean is is it is it easy to do? I mean, should they consider this still to be sort of highly experimental, or is it all very mature and stable at this point, and it, it's going to be incremental improvements rather than sort of giant revolutionary changes? Um, we're, I think we're at the stage where the basic structure's there, the repository services are implemented. Um, we but we have limited experience. So we've done integrations with about three different repositories and we've learned a lot in that process. Um, so at the moment, too much of the knowledge of how you use the technology is in um, the heads of the team that are working on Algeria. Yeah. So the, where we need much more maturity is in our documentation of best practices and making it much more self-service than it is at the moment. So I think that's the area that um, we need to focus on over the next few months is uh, you know thinking very much about how somebody who um, you know is trying to run a data-oriented um, business, what do they need to do? Somebody who's a vendor, how they come in, how they work on the compliance, how they think about the integration process. So this is very much work to do um, that will help in that uh, in that adoption process. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's often the way of things, isn't it? When when there is a very sort of fast-moving project and people are communicating sort of very heavily between each other and a lot of codes being cut and churned out the the docs are often sort of sadly the last thing that a lot of people think about <laughs> it's sort of only yeah. after the project sort of hits a major milestone and everyone takes a deep breath and everyone goes huh? so how's anybody actually going to use this in the real world yeah so so we have a lot of focus on the use it's um the um, it, 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 it's it's translating. It's, it's actually how you abstract that mm. deep knowledge. So you know, we, we, we're sitting all working at the grains of sand level, and yeah. people need to say, "Well, I need to design a beach. How do I do that?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's that it's that abstracting piece that really really t- takes you know takes time to step back and and think about it. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, I think I think you're definitely right that we we have a lot of work to do in that space. So if, if that's if that's the case, if someone sort of wants to start dipping their toes into this, I mean, is it is it sort of um, is it a case of you know um, getting engaged with the Egeria project? Is it sort of reaching out to, to IBM and Hortonworks? You know, what's the what's the best way for for someone to sort of try and try and work out uh, the the best way to start running through some of this? I think. Um We've got the two GitHub repositories that have um, um, web pages and associated with them. So either coming into the Ageria site will bring you into the code and um, and how that works and you know, what the different libraries do. Uh, if you're interested in more data governance practices, then come into the data governance um, repository. Um, and there, the the web pages will lead you into the best practices um, that we have. So, there are two starting points. There is linkage between the two. So, if you you know you, you drift, you might drift from one to the other. But those every everything what we try to do is to bring everything that we have into the Git repository as early as possible. So you will see PowerPoint presentations, design documentation, and things in 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 the, in, the, in the repository as well as the code um, and. Uh, you know, sort of the surrounding um, management case of, you know, management um, descriptions. So we we try and keep everything there. And there there's a Slack channel, there's a distribution list, so you can sign up to that and ask questions. Nice. Um, and uh, those questions really help us focus on what we should be documenting. So they're incredibly valuable. <laughs> As always, feedback is uh, <laughs> feedback is critical, especially when there's a huge backlog. You know, any feedback that you receive helps exactly. to prioritise Exactly, it really does, yes. Excellent. So one of the things that I think you brought up quite early on was this, you know, around it's not just, it's not just, uh, it's not just technology, it's people, process, and technology that make all of this 
sort of possible. And one of the things that um, often plays into this is sometimes organizations themselves will have to will have to make some changes, will have to evolve um, in order to to make the best uh, the best use of some of these things. I mean, even sort of you know simple sort of roles and responsibilities. You brought up the the thing around. Uh, oh well, that's a uh, privacy data privacy. Oh, that's a that's a security issue. Well, no, it's not just a security issue. It's it's a data <laughs> issue as well, and things like that. What what other parts of of organisational kind of evolution can you see that um, are very likely to to be needed, or at least thought about for for the proper adoption of some of this? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the big changes you see is that when the world was focused on process. You, know, you the an organization divided and conquered when it turned when it divided out the work to do so you create a hierarchy and people advance their career by moving up the hierarchy and having a bigger section of the process underneath them and more people mm. and then you get between rivals at a say a peer level in in that hierarchy you get well this is mine and that's yours and we're in competition um, and so you then that makes it very hard to share data between the two because often the producer of data is you know is not the consumer, and so any work on the improvement of that data seems to be one sided. So how do you change the measurement system to change people's attitudes to sharing data to investing in data? Um, you you know you tend to need a much flatter organisation. You tend to be measuring people on not how how many people they have working for them and how much process they own, but maybe how much data they own or, you know, the value that's being derived from that data. So, so you know, measurement systems really motivate people. They can they shape and so the influence from the top of the organization can really yeah. affect how, effect, you know, how, how well data can be used because pretty much it needs to flow laterally across the organization. So anything that hinders that, is going to it is going to impact your ability to to make best use of data. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and really good, really good point. So, obviously, there's there's um, there's a lot of things that have happened um, in the sort of Atlas and data governance space over the last you know, twelve months or so. I mean, what's the what does the um, what does the near term sort of uh, and sort of slightly longer term roadmap look like? What are the what are the things mm-hmm. that are on the sort of more immediate horizon, and and what are you hoping to sort of get towards uh, in sort of mm-hmm. mid mid twenty nineteen maybe? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, adoption is key. Um, adoption mm. for different types of tools. So we have a number of threads around this. One is. Um, using metadata in an operational environment. So um, one of our demonstrations is using um, um, Atlas and Ranger um, and metadata coming from a broader um, environment to actually control what data people can see in the data lake. So that's one thread. There's another thread around how you demonstrate value from governance. So there's a lot of investment in uh, supporting the life cycle of digital services um, mm-hmm. and the governance program. Um, and that, that is, uh, so that's another um, line of investment. And a lot of what's driving that is um, the work that we're doing through the data governance team um, around using um, scenario, business scenarios, different business scenarios. And we've got a set of personas um, for a, a small fictitious pharmaceutical company that have typical data problems in their world and so you know you've got somebody who's got a challenge and we work through that challenge um, documenting how the governance either supports that challenge or needs to evolve to support it and then we use that to then translate into the implementation so we've got the sort of best practices piece driving the technology we've got um, the um, evolution of um, supporting the governance program and then we've got the operational aspects of actually driving um, driving operational environments with metadata and all three of these are aimed at pushing adoption for that technology to different players in the ecosystem fantastic um, so what what do you think what what are some of the bigger ticket items that you think will sort of come into play throughout kind of two thousand and nineteen? Mm. 
So uh, we have um, two new frameworks coming in. One of them is um, for metadata discovery. So this allows analytic um, algorithms to be plugged into a discovery pipeline. Um, mm -hmm. So often when you're looking at, at data and you're trying to derive metadata from it, um, it's a series of steps. So you might start with the schema and then you might start looking at values and start to understand where different columns have correspondence, you know, to understand, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, shared co correspondence between data sets or looking at the quality. And so there's almost like a series of tests that build up increasing your knowledge. And we call that a discovery pipeline. And different um, products might actually have different types of analysis that helps in that process. So we're looking at a framework to allow that um, plugging in and sharing of, um, of analytics around metadata discovery. We have another one called stewardship, um, mm. the governance action framework. And this is around fixing up data and dealing with problems around data and automating that process. So who is notified, what they can do, how you correct the problem, how you report that that problem has now gone away. Um, so that's the second framework that you know, sort of helps us um, reach um, more or increase the automation in, in the environment. Um, and then you've got the build out of the the governance services that support um, the full life cycle of the governance process and the full life cycle of a digital service. Fantastic. Sounds like an, an exciting roadmap for the future. I look forward to it. Mm -hmm. um, You've touched on a few things um, around, you know, organizations and people providing, you know, feedback and, and answering questions. But what are some of the other things that you you would say that people or organizations could do in order to, you know, help or contribute to the project? What, what else would you like to see um, coming mm -hmm. from, from other people? So we have um, part of the standards is actually uh, metadata archives. And so these are stores of metadata from, um, they could be glossary definitions for different subject areas. So uh, industry groups could help by producing standard glossaries for their industry um, or um, content around uh, different locations. So all the types of reference data that's used that's very commonly shareable um, can actually be encoded in the open standards. Um, and with that increased, um, um, and same with the regulations, you know, they could we could actually start to have um, pre-built archives for different types of regulations like GDPR. So if someone's starting a governance program, they could download these standard packs and um, and use them for, you know, and use them as a as a way of getting started fast. So organisations that have um, assets in the space, intellectual property. Um, and I'm looking for a standard way to share it, then actually the open metadata standards um, will provide that um, will, pro will provide that vehicle. Excellent. All right. So I think that's pretty much about uh, all, all we had um, to ask. Um, I'd like to really thank you for, for your time. It's been really, really great talking to you. This, this, is, a, this is one of those areas that, I think has been severely lacking, um, not just in big data, but generally, but certainly within big data for a long time. And uh, so it's great to see a lot of movement and a lot of excitement around this space. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to uh, like to say or like to mention to the audience? Uh, no, just please uh, visit the site, um, have a look at the technology um, and get involved because uh, the, the more people that uh, are helping us with this, the faster that we will uh, uh, achieve uh, the linkage across the business. Fantastic. All right. So there is, uh, there is one final thing that uh, we do with our, our guests, and uh, that is ask them to define Hadoop to someone who's maybe never heard of Hadoop before. <laughs> So uh, just in a, in a quick sentence or two, how would you define Hadoop to someone that's never heard of it before? Okay, so um, so Hadoop is uh, one of many things. It's a technology that allows us to um, 
take a calculation that needs to be done many, many times um, and spread it across lots of different computers and uh, bring it together into a single answer. So it's a way of dealing with huge amounts of data um, and uh, being able to, to divide and conquer and spread the workload across different systems um, and combine the answer. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Mandy. Really appreciate the time with you. I look forward to seeing uh, the exciting things that happen with Ageria and the uh, the Data Governance Companion Project in the future. Um, Thank you. Great talking to you and uh, look forward to hearing much more from you in the future. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Well, that indeed concludes the Open Data and Governance Masterclass with Mandy Chassel. Uh, once again, thanks to Mandy for taking the time to uh, to spend with us and run through all of these topics, going from really some of the basics all the way through to some of the advanced um, you know capabilities of these various technologies, and also a little bit of discussion about where things are heading. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, our audience also found it as useful as we did. Yeah, I found it very useful because I let you do all the talking and just enjoyed and listened. So I learned while you had to do the hard work. <sighs> As is always the way. (laughs) Well, unless there's anything else from you. Nope. I think that's all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized open metadata and governance masterclass. Big data. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can go to www.roaringalpha.org. You can find more information and a feedback form there. You can follow us on Twitter using the AttitudeCast tag, where you can see some posts from me. And maybe sometime we will get Dave to go on Twitter, but I need more people to help me get that movement going. Never happening. Apart from that, you can always send us an email to podcast at warningalpha.org send us any thoughts, comments, criticisms, and other feedback you may have. Until next time, my name is John. My name is Dave. I look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. Bye.